0: The ServiceNow Roam release is now available in early access. Join me as I talk to Adam Stout, Director of Product Management, on the hottest platform features for developers.
1: Welcome to Breakpoint, the ServiceNow Developer Podcast. Here's your host, Chuck Tomasi.
0: Hello, ServiceNow admins, builders, developers, and curious individuals. And yes, always the most love and respect for all of you. Welcome back or welcome to Breakpoint, the ServiceNow Developer Podcast. Today, I am joined by Adam Stout, Director of Product Management. How are you today, Adam? I'm doing
1: great. I am pretty excited about talking about Rome. So thanks for having me here and getting a chance to talk to
0: everybody. All roads lead to Rome, and this feels like it's been a long road, hasn't it? It's been a long time. (laughs) I'm really glad we're here. I'm just glad I have another picture to put on social media where I'm actually in the place we're promoting. Because in 2018, we went to London, Paris, and Rome. And I went, oh, well, that works out well. So look forward to seeing that. Hey, before we begin, I always like to get to know our guests. So please tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure.
1: Uh, Well, I'm a... I guess I have to start out. I'm a father of two uh, based out of Portland, Oregon, although I'm a native San Diegan. Um, and I've been with service now for about eight years and, and spent most of that time focusing in on analytics and the last few years expanding to everything we do in creator workflows and, and in the platform.
0: Oh man, you are my go-to. Well, you kind of still are my go-to person for uh, reporting and analytics questions. <laughs> I can't give it up. I can't quit it. Once you establish an expertise in service, now you're you're, you're that person. Even if you've you moved on, and even if the platform has moved on, people ask me, "Hey, you 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 did a service mapping workshop years ago." It's like, yeah, like Geneva, um, the the and the community posts that never die. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Those are great. Uh, when you're not at work what do you enjoy doing you know
1: uh, I was realizing this the other day I was talking to my wife uh, going through some of the many hobbies that I have gone through particularly over the last year and I realized that I just have an eclectic set of hobbies and and I was trying to figure out what on earth they have in common Mm -hmm. and why I like them and and also what I like doing at work and and I realized that I just like building things and whether I'm Making music, woodworking, coding, gardening, cooking. I just like making things and, and, and seeing it. There's just such a great uh, joy coming from seeing something you built work
0: or something that's you know, never eating. existed before. Uh, do you have a yeah. God complex or something?
1: That, that's come up in discussions before. But um, <laughs> yeah, I'm learning more. You know, the last year I've learned a lot more about myself and, and uh, that's what it is. I just got to build something, I always got to be building.
0: Very nice, and I'm glad you were able to tie those together with some sort of thread. Uh, it took a while. It took a while to figure out how to connect cooking, woodworking, coding, and music, and uh, playing, making music. I I find that it's often fun to detach from the technical. You know, you've got your music, you've got your woodworking, you've got your gardening. Those are more hands-on stuff. Not that coding isn't hands-on, but you know, honestly, we're just moving but our fingers. I don't break a sweat. Right. Right. <laughs> But to, to actually you know, craft something physical rather than virtual, it, there's a certain joy in that. And I think it, it gets you more into um, – I'm, I'm reluctant to say this because it sounds like coding is all left brain, right? The logic side. It's not. There's a great art to crafting solutions on the computer. But woodworking, on the other hand – well, there's there's a technical ability. I don't know where I'm going with this, and I'll probably edit it out later. <laughs> it's in, it's fun to work both sides of the brain, and sometimes you have to step away from the technical and, and give yourself that license to be creative in something else.
1: I, I totally agree. I, uh, I like to break a sweat sometimes, but I'm glad I don't have to do it every day, um, and I get less scars from coding.
0: All right. Speaking of coding, or close to <laughs> it, we are here yep. to talk about Rome, so- Let's start with your favorite top of the list feature that was added or updated in Rome. Sure.
1: You know, the thing that I'm most excited about in Rome is is App Engine Studio and the expansion into collaboration. With App Engine Studio in Quebec, it was great where we have this nice modern interface to build everything and it's it's just beautiful and fun to work with, but it wasn't. It was missing something in that we weren't connecting our developers and citizen developers together in that one place. Um, you had to build it alone, and and I like the teamwork. I think that two minds are better than one, and three are even better. And in Rome, with the new collaboration features, we can have multiple people working on the same app. And what's going to come from that is going to be awesome. I, I'm really looking forward to seeing what what I get to build with some people and what our customers get to do. So I think that's that's it
0: you're right because we had uh the ability for a citizen developer to work with the professional developers they would often wander off into studio and do their stuff but this gives it a whole new level of more citizen developers when you're thinking about a department app you could get the whole department involved or at least more than one technical person or ambitious person that wants to work on this app so very cool stuff i and and i'm Just coming up to speed on what those features look like. Well, by the time this podcast is out, hopefully I'll be able to speak more clearly on it. But we're recording this at the beginning of July, and this will come out in the end of July. Actually, right on early access day. So now you kind of know the time frame we work on on the podcast and how how the soup is made, as somebody said recently. Okay, let's talk about uh, flow designer. We're also going to be talking to Jake Berman about this on the next episode. So we'll have more about this, but I want to hear what you find fascinating or what's interesting in flow designer.
1: So flow designer, uh, it's, it's great. You know, once you start getting into flow designer,
0: I, I, I love how, how
1: simple it is to build such complex things. Um, but what we get in Rome is error handling. Our flows get to grow up. Um, and now, rather than expecting things to always work in the real world, stuff happens, and we need to handle it. And Flow Designer in Rome, we have error handling, and we can ex- we can now expect and handle the
0: unexpected. I love this because I, and this is this is not just for flows, subflows, but also actions, because so many times you go out and and get say a REST payload, and it comes back, and it's not the REST payload you expected. It's <laughs> like what happened is that an error should it be an error should it be ignored should be treated that's that's very powerful stuff
1: yeah i i it is just gonna allow us to build such more robust workflows um but still keep that simplicity of flow designer that that's what i love um so it it's still it's intuitive as everything else in flow designer easy to use but amazingly powerful
0: we've also had some usability improvements if i remember right
1: uh, there there are uh, always some other improvements that come through. I know some more transformation functions. Um, Everything is getting better, but the the, uh, the big thing you're going to notice is that error handling, those big error handling yeah. options.
0: Okay. On from, uh, we're not handling these in any particular order. They're not alphabetic. They're not whatever. Let's look at ATF, automated test framework. So ATF
1: has it, always been great. I like using ATF, but... I've been frustrated sometimes when my automated testing isn't automated because I still have to press go. And in Rome, we're going to change that. Uh, Wait,
0: even with a scheduled
1: test, you still have, you're, to, have to press go. You're on when you have a client when you're when you're dealing with client testing. Oh. you got to launch. The cl- you got to launch the browser, and you got to be there. Gotcha. and You got to run. Um, server stuff has been great, but the client testing super important and just gives me a little bit of headache. Right? It's simple, it's easy, but we're
0: what have we got to fix that? So.
1: In, in Rome, we have uh, headless testing, headless client t- uh, client testing, browser testing. So, with the help of a Docker image, we can actually fully automate our client testing or in our browser testing. It also gives me the advantage of uh, not having to time out. Sometimes, even when I'm sitting there, I get some weird timeouts. Um, and mm-hmm. that, this helps that quite a bit as well. So, whether it's server testing or browser testing, I can now launch all of that in ATF and make sure all that stuff's running all the time and that my my code works the way I want it to work. My apps continue to work through any odd update that I decide to put in them. Nice. I know customers have been asking for something like that for a long time. It's yeah, like- it's it's some nice polish. It gets us
0: where we, where we need to be. It's it's yeah it's like some of the other features like finally finally we have source control on global apps you know those kind of things speaking of source control didn't mean to jump ahead a little bit but I think we've got a feature or two on that that our listeners will be interested in
1: yeah so you you mentioned source control global apps coming out uh, that came out a few releases ago um, we had one missing piece with source control and in and what we what we're able to handle now are scoped apps. Or customizations and source control for scoped apps that came in plugins so we could handle global apps before we could handle your custom apps before we could handle store custom apps before but we had uh, we didn't support supporting a scoped app in the gl- from a plugin which is some of the big ones hr csm for example and now we can do that this really completes it so we can use source control for everything so my ask for everybody is let's go use source control there's nothing holding us back now and we can start leaving update sets in the past and move forward into source control because everything should be
0: working. Please, for the love of all that's good, leave <laughs> update sets in the past. I know there's a lot of people that are still tied. You know. and we do have videos and blog entries on DevOps and CI/CD. So if you're curious how you're going to leave update sets in the past, because we've all do do a batch, not a merge, that kind of thing. But we, it, it's it's so liberating and you feel like there are so many more possibilities with source control. Uh,
1: absolutely. It's, uh it's different. We, I think we're, hopefully a lot of us are comfortable with update sets, but it's, there's no more excuses. It's time to go forward up to source control.
0: Yep. Um Command line interface. Now I thought we've had a command line interface in the past, but you clarified me on a point. Um,
1: there, there have been a couple in the past and the, and the big thing for, for the command line interface is that it came out just after Quebec with the miracle of the store. We were able to release it um, without having a major, major release, but I wanted to talk about it now since we were talking about Rome, because if you, we didn't get a chance to talk about it when when we were talking about Quebec.
0: Okay. And we we did have a episode with Charn Lin about the CLI. I think it was in March because it was still in like an early access. We'd even played on it. Oh, December, January, uh, on live coding happy hour. So you know, just giving you some other references if you want to go see it, but give us the 411 on the CLI.
1: Well, and I I do want to note there were there have been other CLIs in the past um that did specific things. What we the approach we took with the CLI now, which again is the same one we saw in Quebec uh we're talking about it now, is one. One CLI for service now going forward and it does everything we needed it to do. So whether I'm
0: building Oh, interesting. Yeah, cuz we had the the CLI for making now experience com- custom components. And then we had one that was more for talking to the rest APIs.
1: Right, right. And what, what we did is unify them. One service, yeah, one service now instance, one, one CLI that does all of those things. So we need to get the, the new CLI and whether I'm building now, uh, now experience components or I'm performing CRUD operations, I use the same CLI. Um, and other some of the apps use it as well same CLI it does all of those things just with with different options and you know one of the things that i love about it it, it it's brilliant is that i can define my own options so not just updating a record but if i have some more compl- complex things to do i can go into my instance and define those commands and then easily call them through that same CLI i don't have to have four different versions and everything it goes through i keep one up to date and i can use it and i'm i'm a command line Geek, I love the command line. The Um, simplicity—it's UEs are—it's great. Everything's great, but I love it. I love the command line, and now I have that full power in a very supported way that lets me do any very weird use case that I want to handle.
0: What sort of use cases do you see for this?
1: So that that is a a great question that comes through. So I know there's some DevOps stuff, and in the ITOM world, it's it's going to happen. I think there's going to be some connections with some, maybe with some legacy stuff where I have a, an integration, something that's command line I need to work with. I now can can just build that in without having to modify my old tool. My old tool can call a command line. I can now interact with ServiceNow, and I think I think that's where we're going to get be able to fill some of that space. Are, are things that we've been putting off because they were too hard. This is going to make mm-hmm. it easy now to shift to move some of that functionality to ServiceNow. Um, while some of it still needs to remain where it was.
0: I, I like this as well. I Like you, I'm a command line guy. I started doing computers back in the 80s, and you know, there were no GUIs when I started. <laughs> okay. okay, kids. Oh, there was a lot of assembly code flying around, and there are punch cards in my laptop bag, but let's save that for another time. <laughs> the uh, This unlocks another vector, if you will, it, it, you know, to to get work done. Like you said, it it may be some command driven, think of things like IFTTT, you know, you could be doing operations with triggers that trigger the CLI. And I absolutely love that. It's extensible that I can put on my own command structure and sub command structure. I think the one we built on live coding happy hour had to deal with my karaoke app. And (laughs) I said, let's do CLI karaoke favorite random. I mean, you can tear these things down so that it will automatically hit this REST API and go, oh, I know you're Chuck. Here's the random favorite. And you can prompt too. You, it can be an interactive or you could put on command line arguments. It's really, really powerful. So if you're interested, definitely take a look. Okay, we we mentioned GUI, so we have to back up to the high level. UI Builder. So UI Builder,
1: I, workspaces are are just amazing, um, especially for those of us who've been around and listen forms, um, things that I want to do the, the simple one. I want to resize, resize a column. Um, you know, I can do that now.
0: Oh, amen, brother. How long have we been asked how many posts are on the community about
1: yeah. that? Uh, so workspace, let me do it. And, and UI builder, um, it's continuing to evolve. Um, and we're see, we see a lot of improvements in the usability, expanding the functionality, what it can do, what, what, you know, what I can do in UIB, how I do it, make it a little bit more intuitive. We'll continue to see those things improve. Um, you know, and this is, we talked about source control and update sets in UIB, um, whether you used it before you've never used it, this is one of those areas where I think everybody needs to go get comfortable with it. Go try it out. Go get a, a PDI and and take a look at it. Um, it's coming. It's the future. Um, make, sure, make sure you check out the release notes, especially if you've used it in the past. Check out the release notes. See all the little details about what we've improved. Um, they don't necessarily make sense if we just talk about them. If you haven't seen them and if you haven't tried out UIB go try it out, go build something, get familiar. So when, when your workspace, your configurable workspace comes out to play for ITSM for HR, um, they will continue to be rolling out. You'll know how to take advantage of it. A lot of the things I've heard in the past, You know, I wanna be able to configure what happens when I click here and we, you know, things we had to use service portal for and, and with a form, you just, yeah, you can't. Or you'd go way off the deep end and, and to, to customization. Well, now you can a new IB but you do need to know how to do it. So I, I recommend that do all the great labs that are out there, take a look at it, try it out. Um, and, and again, in Rome, you're going to see continuous enhancements as, as we go forward.
0: What's your response to the people who say, well, you know, we we learned jelly. That was pretty challenging, but we did it. And we made our UI macros and UI pages. Then service portal came out and we learned that. And okay, that was that was a new learning curve. Now we've got another thing and, and people are, I've, I've heard a number of people go, well, how long is this going to be around before they come out with the next thing? So I think with UIB, we really have a framework. Uh,
1: with, with Jelly, we were depending on another uh, another language, um, and, and we've seen that in other places in the past. UIB is, is service nows. Um, it, it's what we get to invest into. And extensibility was built in. Mm-hmm. Customization, the idea that you will customize is built in. And I think that's what I see as different from some of the other solutions we've had in the past that we built something that you could extend. And in UIB um, and in workspaces, we built something that we expect you to extend. Hopefully there should be enough things out of box that you don't, that you don't need to every day, but it's now the, the plan is that you will customize it. You will, you, less customization, more configuration. You're going to expand it. Clicks, not code. You will get it to do what you want it to do. Um, and we need to put that power in your control right put make that easy for you to do and without doing anything weird or unsupported that's the big difference i see in in workspace and and again this this is the future it's where we're going to be
0: and that's why it took so long to roll out i think we saw the first workspaces in what madrid in 2018 something it's been around for a number of years we're making it now configurable ui builder is there and you can build custom point We wanted to make sure all those standards and extensibility was in place before we launched this. Because one of the worst things you do, and you probably know this as a developer, dear listener, you don't want to change your API after it's been public.
1: And and, and with that, I, I do want to note that there are two types of workspaces: uh, the 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 2018 versions and what we have now, uh, Mobisung in Quebec, were the configurable workspaces. That's what CSM is using, and that's what everything new is going to be using. Um, configurable workspaces are only created in in a uh, Aes when we're building new configurable workspaces mm-hmm. the old workspaces in studio were actually were actually turned off in quebec um that's those were harder and not customizable enough so there was a major change within the last couple of releases to make configurable workspaces again to em- embrace that configuration um, you know we we understand that's what we, you need to have that's what you need that's what we built that's where we're at now in UIB.
0: Excellent. Thank you very much for clarifying that because I don't know that a lot of people know there's kind of Gen One and Gen Two stuff. Exactly. Uh, a couple of releases ago, I think it was Paris. A year ago, we came out with Process Automation Designer and Playbook, and we didn't see much new in Quebec, but we've got some updates in Rome that are worth noting. Sure. So, so with Process Automation Designer and Playbooks,
1: um, we see we do continue to see some more polishing. Uh, they, they came through. So uh, one of the big examples is the uh, the ability for an agent to be able to input some data into their playbook and then create the record, um, mm-hmm. hitting more use cases on how we want to use it. Uh, we saw the first version a couple of releases ago and now based off customer feedback, making it more usable, more what you want it to be. Um, better integration with UIB and allowing you to, to leverage the playbooks. So rather than to... Coexisting technologies, we have two integrated technologies that come through. Um, and a really big uh, note for this for 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 pad is that we've moved from the base functionality in the platform to a store app. And this is really important because it allows us to innovate faster. Um, we don't have to wait just for the big bang family releases that come through to get these these core improvements that come through. So the same thing with AES. And App Engine Studio is a store app, which means we do get multiple updates, uh, not just twice a year, but the updates can come through once a month. For process automation designer playbooks, same thing. So we're going to see faster innovation, uh, asynchronous to the major family releases, which also means you don't always have to upgrade everything just to get that one piece of core functionality that you want to have. So make sure you check out that store going forward.
0: Very nice. Yeah, we're seeing more of our platform-ish features going that way too, so I'm I'm looking forward to that. It's going to make our life a little more challenging on our end, but hey, it's good for the customer. It's we'll do that. Good for the customer it causes
1: me lots of headaches, but uh, it's willing for it.
0: Another one that I saw in Process Automation Designer was the preview function. You can now like preview it in playbook to see how it's going to look. So if you're designing these flows in, pro- that's not the right word. Flows. What are they called? The the, the, the playbooks. If you're designing a playbook in pad, then you can actually see what it's going to look like. I was, I was watching that TOI video recently and I went, that's nice too. So again, with the usability, we're we're learning how people are using it and want to use it and then addressing that and, and faster. Turnovers. Yeah. And, and, I'll, and again, we can, brief, we can now make changes in the store and you
1: don't have to wait for that big release. You don't have to upgrade your instance to get the fix that you want because we can get it from the store. I, And I think this is another area, just like with UIB that get out there, use it, give us your feedback so we can make it so we can make those improvements that the solutions, the -the out-of-the-box solutions coming with ITSM, CSM is already there, are using these technologies. All of us are going to be using these technologies, whether you want to or not. I hope you want to, but whether you want to or not, you're going to be using it in a couple of releases. Now is a great opportunity to take a look at it, give us your feedback. What is it missing? Where can it be better? Um, you know, talk to us, re- reach out to us, uh, give us that feedback. So that way, when you have to use it, it's already going to do exactly what you want it to do.
0: Now, where can they find information on how to learn to use it? Is it, is it the docs are docs. They're not really step-by-step enablement material. Are we ramping up our training information? Do we have some CreatorCon labs coming? What's the best approach for something? So like I that? think a lot of this area, the CreatorCon labs are just invaluable.
1: Um, we, we are, we're improving the docs training is coming. Um, but the developer site has great, great content out there. And then, uh, the creator con labs are where I send people to, to really get some hands on experience with this.
0: I'm even starting to see some people starting up their own YouTube content and saying, Hey, I want to be known as, you know, the process automation designer expert or the, the UI builder. Anytime we come up with something new, it's Greenfield people. You can be that expert. You can be that authority. You even what, what I like to tell people is, well, I don't know it. Well, take the the viewer or the listener along the journey with you and say, we're going to learn this together. And here's what I discovered. So you don't have to you know spend a whole bunch of time. So it, it, it can be done even if everybody starts out at I, ground zero.
1: I love that. I've been seeing that recently. There was a uh it was actually an analytics uh, problem that that came through that somebody asked how do you do this? My answer was can't be done. And then um somebody in the forum said here's how you do it. And and I wanted to go no you, nope, wow. wow that's that's brilliant. Uh I got to go try <laughs> that out. And uh it, it is awesome. It is awesome to see what uh, what everybody else does and and see those videos. I watch them um and it, it's great.
0: Our developers continue to amaze me. It it's just the the things that come out based on you know what what we think are standard features. Uh, there's new and innovative ways of using these things. When you put them together, you get some awesome solutions. So keep it up, people. All right. One of my favorite features integration hub. I like making things talk to other things. Been doing it for decades. That's what gets me up in the morning. So dive in integration hub, but don't steal Jake's thunder. I'm just kidding.
1: So, <laughs> uh, with, with integration hub, we, we continue to see lots of spokes and I, am not going to talk about that, but the spokes come out all the time. There are so many of them in the store every month for new things to make simple integrations, right? That's, I, we don't talk about that enough, but it, it, it is just great. That's coming out, not just with Rome, but month after month, after month updates, new, uh, new integrations out there. Um the, the big functionality we see in Rome for for integration hub are integration hub imports. And and in Rome they focus in on data streams, um, which isn't it doesn't handle every type of import we want to have, but data streams are are an important one that it that it comes with through. And it is an area that I'm I'm super excited about what we're gonna see in the future. So Rome handles data streams, but I I can just taste what what we can do in the future. Um this is an area where where I did have to push myself out of, out of my comfort zone to to get familiar with all of it um, and because mm-hmm. I, I loved writing code love the command line stuff but integration hub is just it's great it's great when I took that step and it, integration hub imports um, this is actually just really it's really easy before I did the stuff at import sets and transform maps and if you have ever written an import set in a transform map, yeah. Yeah, it, uh, it does a lot. It's super powerful, but I have yet to meet somebody who say, this is the way you should do it. This is the pinnacle of, of ease of use. And in, in, integration hub imports, man, they're just awesome. It's how it should be. So simple to bring data in and process data, how you want to see it. Um, I, I'm, just, I'm really excited what we're going to see in the future. And with data streams in Rome, um, it's, it's pretty powerful.
0: Data streams have been out since Orlando, I believe, and I've implemented a number of them. I remember spending a lot of time in the summer of 2020 writing my own. They're great for large payloads, paginated data. Something you don't want to say, "Hey, go get me 50,000 records," and I'll just sit here and wait because you're going to get a timeout at that point. So you go get 50 at a time, or 100 at a time, or you know some smaller chunk, and it will just keep consuming those. They're very, they're very friendly to the person that's implementing them in the flow. And sometimes you don't even know that they're a data stream. You're just like, go get me some records and for each till we're done. And they're not concerned about the pagination schema or anything of that nature. And in, I think it was Quebec, we allowed them to be used as a data source type. And that was very helpful because now you can do the transform app. So this is taking it one step further.
1: Man, you're ruining all my old work. Yeah, I know. You know, I, I, we were talking about the stuff you'll be known for. You'll be known for the questions that come up. And, and there's those old ones that you love that, yep, just never going to have to do that again. Uh,
0: like my experience in Apollo domain OS <laughs> it doesn't even show up on the resume
1: anymore. <laughs> uh, and that it's great. It's great. It's just how it should be. And, it, and this is one of those ones I'm like, why wasn't it? Why wasn't it like this before?
0: Um, right where was this when i was a kid in 2008 yeah, yeah. it's like oh this would have been i mean just having the mapping assist was was a treat for me at that point <laughs> i understand i
1: understand um, so that's that's what i get from the integration hub. imports. really excited about that in rome and then going forward what we can do this this is the right direction i will
0: never write a rest message v2 script again <laughs> that's that's pretty much the way i look at integration hub at this point for for outbound rest messages just start in integration hub. You'll thank yourself later.
1: You know, I have this huge library of code snippets and they're just going to grow cobwebs. I'm, I'm a bit sad about that, but it's a good sad, I think.
0: The data streams actually helped me deprecate an entire script include that was close to a thousand lines. I, I wrote four or five data streams and pff, didn't need that da- that script include anymore. I went, This is, this is useless. It's doing the same thing and it's doing it the hard way. And it took a fraction of the time to write the data stream as it did to write that script include. So when you have a choice, people, here's here's the takeaway from this one. When you have a choice of configuration versus code, take the configuration path first every time.
1: And I, I love it because now, instead of me having to outsmart something, I have a team of engineers from ServiceNow trying to figure out how to make it more robust, uh, faster, easier to use. And I can just take advantage of it and use it. And I love it when other people
0: make me look smart. They always come up with better solutions than I could ever dream of. And I consider myself a pretty experienced and smart person, but it's like, wow, you you totally made this more configurable or extensible than I ever would have thought. So thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Speaking of adaptive and extensible, we have something called adaptive authentication. What is that? So adaptive
1: authentication is one of uh, uh, several security improvements that, that are in, in Rome, but adaptive authentication is is really interesting. It's a framework that lets you enforce contextual authentication controls to get the right persona at the right time. Um, so I think uh, you know a simple example of it is when I had to turn on, uh, when I had to elevate permissions, kind of the, the old way of doing it. But now yeah. we can do it where we need to do it, when we need to do it with the right level of security um, so that... There's not just, do I need to re-authenticate? Uh, how do I need to re-authenticate to perform this action? It's not just something we build in ServiceNow, but something you can build in your workflows, in your, uh, in your user experience to get the right level of authentication, to make sure things are the right people at the right time. So really, really great stuff. Um, it is one piece of a lot of the security enhancements we have, and whether that's the new export metrics that come out in the Instant Security Center or even improve logging, tons of security improvements where I just have to tell you, we're not going to have time to talk about all of them. So you really need to go read the release notes for platform security and see all the little pieces along the way of how you can improve and tighten your security. Just great stuff. You, huge focus for us in Rome is how do we improve security before it's a problem, right? We want to make sure that you're you're ahead of any uh, any problems that come out there.
0: Yeah. There's... There's a lot of stuff. I've not really been deep into security in the past, going beyond the typical ACLs or here's some credentials I need for this API. It is off the charts and can no longer be ignored at this point. (laughs) I have to throw myself into the security. Uh, Acronym you might come up against is KMF. or it's an initialization, not an acronym. Acronyms spell things. Initializations don't. Uh, The KMF is the Key Management Framework. So watch for that. It kind of sits behind the scenes on a lot of this new security stuff, but you'll want to just be aware of it, that it's there and, you know, you'll need to keep your keys in order
1: with, with, with security. I, uh, I will tell you that I love it when other people make me feel smarter and in the security stuff, uh, i I think I'm a lot like you that I, I've looked at it, but there's just so much in there, uh, to, to learn about, but it is something that you can't ignore. Um, you really need to be thinking about more than just ACLs on, on what comes through and what does it mean for this process to, move, to, to be secure. And particularly as we move out of ITSM and you're, you're in security operations or in HR, we're putting more and more business critical functionality into service now. Think about security. Ask the right questions. Um, we can do it, but there's a lot of options, a lot of options, a lot of things that you can put in. It's a lot of it more. A lot more stuff is there now, um, and make sure you take the time to get familiar with it, and bring in your security experts to make sure that you're doing the right thing for for your organization.
0: Excellent advice, especially as you start bringing in those citizen developers, and you're making the new applications that that start out as oh, our department just needs this. Oh man, I can't tell you how many times a department app is turned into an enterprise app, and security is. You know, Swiss cheese full of holes, and th- then we have to backtrack.
1: With the ease of development and everything we can, it's something that you need to make sure you're keeping your eye out for. Um, we can, you, you can improve it later. You can add more later, but make sure you're talking about having those questions now, having those conversations, um, and make sure you're implementing with a reasonable level of security
0: from day one. Remember when being a developer was just about writing code?
1: Yes, the good old days.
0: That may be where you started your career, but not today. Adam, what is one thing you want every developer to check out in the Rome release? All right. There's a lot of features we talked about
1: and and different things will resonate with different people. Um, There's just such a broad range of of improvements and and new functionality. But I, I was talking to my team yesterday and what I told them and it's what I tell myself is, UI builder, workspaces, process automation designer, that's the future, and you need to start with it now. Um, It's not something you can pick up in a day. Um, It's a different way of thinking in a lot of ways for a lot of us that that have come up through the ServiceNow ranks, take some time now, uh, get a PDI, start interacting with UI builder, build a workspace, modify a workspace, build a playbook, uh, build an integration uh, if, if you haven't done that, get used to the new tools while you have some time to learn them, take advantage of the creator con labs that are out there and the rest of the great content on developer, get familiar with it. And then when the time is right and your organization is moving, it, whether, it's, whether it happened in Quebec to the configurable workspaces or it's happening in Rome or San Diego or going forward, if you take a little bit of time now to learn it, understand it, get to love it, you are going to be such a rock star, and you are going to make your your users so happy on what they can do, and it'll make your life easier when you start small. I, I am telling people just get dip your toe into the water, right? We don't necessarily jump need to jump into the deep end, but dip your toe in and, and start feeling it out. Get get figure out what works for you, and what's going to work for your organization, and the, you know the, the 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 sky's the limit. It'll be amazing.
0: That's one of the reasons why we have early access is so you get early access to this. So when your organization is ready to upgrade to Rome, for example, you are ready. You are you've got some hands on experience. And one of the best ways that I can think to to self-motivate is to find a personal project, create something, look around your own sphere of, of work and say, all right, I can make this better. Or let's see about taking that old service portal and making a UI builder experience, put a workspace on that. Or let's take process automation designer and and do something just cleverly simple. Yes, the labs are great for enablement and they will show you the how to, but if you really want to start finding those corner cases and get into places where you are truly learning new things, that's when you got to have like a personal project because you are going to be motivated. It's like, oh man, I've got my whole, you know, game collection or or fantasy football or whatever it is that that drives you and your interests. Get that into some of these new tools. Start I, Every release, I look at these new features and go, how can I apply that to my karaoke app? How can I apply that to Jeopardy? How does this impact... You know, uh, integration with Todoist or something that's a little closer to home, because if somebody assigns you work, let's face it, you do it because you got to do it. And there there, there is the fun of learning it. But you want to be ahead of that curve and learn it on your own. You want to grab that laptop before the sun is up and go, I can just get 30 more minutes in UI Builder and I'm going to figure out how to configure this thing. And there I did it. Great. You know, I'm all about making somebody else's
1: life better, but I like making my life better.
0: Very yeah. motivated. What's in it for me? Yes. <laughs> oh, excellent words to end on. Adam, tell the listener where they can get in touch with you.
1: So I'm uh, very active in the ServiceNow community. So feel free to uh, uh, see some of the stuff I've written in there. You got If you have a question, at Adam Stout, I should come up. Um, I'm on Twitter at Adam Stout now. Um, happy to hear from you and look forward to, to seeing what you guys are able to do with all this great stuff in Rome.
0: Thank you very much, Adam. And thank you, wonderful listener, for joining us today. Don't forget to check out the other ServiceNow podcast. There's a growing collection. I think there's a new one added every other week. It's crazy. You can find them all at community.servicenow.com under the resources menu. And if for some reason that menu should ever change, you can go to devlink.sn slash podcasts, and you will find them there. Subscribe to this podcast for free on your favorite podcasting service directory, Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you go, and you'll get it automatically delivered to you. Again, thanks a lot, Adam, for sharing with us today. Thanks for having me, Chuck.
1: Please let us know what you think about this podcast. You can leave feedback or ask questions in the ServiceNow community. For more great information on ServiceNow development, check out the ServiceNow developer portal at developer.servicenow.com.